I'm Coach Seb, and this is Running New Mexico. All right, joining me today is Clancy Devery. He is a runner out of Oregon, came down and ran for UNM for a year, uh, and has some connections, other connections with uh, New Mexico because him and my dad have been great friends for a long time. And so this is uh, an honor for me to be able to talk to him. So thanks for joining me. Thank you, Sebastian. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't think I ever heard how you got into running. Uh, I got into running. I was in the fourth grade in Portland. And uh my friend's older sister was in junior high and she was running in an all-comers track meet and you know and sitting and watching these all these races i decided to, to enter and run and so and my friend and i both ran, ran the races and we both little ran our won our little uh you know whatever age we were nine years old or whatever and we won and so that's how we got involved and uh she ended up being, uh, you know, she lived down the block from me. And I would see her later on. We moved, and then I never started up till junior high. And, uh, and then in high school, I would see her at different meets. And she was the state champion uh, for, for single A for girls and things like that. And I was a pretty good runner in high school also. Uh, I, I took second in the state a couple times. And so I would always run into her and then she went to Oregon state. And then when I came back uh, to Oregon, I would see her in college and we'd see each other at different track meets. And, uh, and she ended up being, you know, she was a pretty good runner, you know, obviously uh, her son ended, up, son ended up being a lot better than all of us. Her son ended up being Galen Rupp. <laughs> and so, uh, so that's how I kind of got into running. And so, uh, you know, and then, it was pretty easy. Prefontaine was kind of a big figure, but I never started again until I ran one race then and knew I'd always wanted to do it, but never uh, did I start until it was kind of organized and I was in junior high school. Wow. I, I knew you had that connection that you knew uh, Galen Rupp's mom, but I didn't realize that that's, that's how it was that you had met her like when you were younger and you've known her, you know, for that long. Yeah. And so without her, I probably would never have been a runner. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. I mean, and, and obviously Galen Rupp's an, an amazing runner, but you've had some uh, pretty successful times as a runner as well. I mean, second uh, in state at, in Oregon is, um, is pretty big. I mean, it's, it's a pretty competitive state when it comes to distance running. Yeah, that was uh uh, I was probably better known for the marathon, but, uh, you know, and so, you know, you have, you, you know, you have to be on, on race day. And there's one guy named Bill McChesney, who is quite the, quite the runner. And so I might talk about him a little bit later. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. And yeah, we'll definitely talk about the marathon. I didn't, I didn't, uh, put that in the intro, but that's, that's definitely something I want to ask you about. Cause it, to me, it's, I mean, it was always something I grew up hearing about and um, yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> so as, as you were getting started as, you know, in, in middle school, did you have this idea then that this is, you know, you wanted to, to kind of carry it into college and that kind of stuff, or was it just 
a, I, I'm just enjoying this and kind of living in the moment. I wasn't that good. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think, uh, taking seventh place in seventh grade in the, in the city meet, you know, <laughs> you're not going to have too many delusions of grandeur, uh, you know, but you got to steadily kind of improve in eighth grade. I became a better runner, ninth grade, even a better runner. And, and, and training is kind of amazing. So you start to train a little bit harder. It's amazing how, but you know, how you become better. <laughs> well, and speaking of training, like you used to, at least the stories I've heard, you had some pretty intense training sessions at times. Like, you know, were you, as you got older and in, into high school, were you mostly going off of your coach or were you picking up training from, from other people? Like how, how did your, um, how did you develop your training uh, regimen? Uh, it was mostly, I mean, I would run with the team and, and do what the coach said. And I tend to like longer runs. And so uh, one of my friends who, yeah, I was fortunate that I had a great coach and I had another athlete that was, uh, you know, very, that I was very competitive with that we'd run back and forth against each other named Jeff Hildebrandt. And so I think that competition usually brings out the best in one another. And I think that a coach's job, and, and especially with my coach Ron Cross in high school, that he made sure that uh, that we liked each other, and that it was it was less important than being a good runner than it was being you know it was more important to be a good human than being an athlete. And so the thing is, is that uh, he emphasized that uh, that we got along that. Uh, that sportsmanship was uh, a large part of, you know, who we were. And, you know, I'd be delighted if he won and he'd be happy if I won. We'd try to, uh, get, the, you know, bring out the best in one another. And, you know, he beat me sometimes. I beat him sometimes. And I'd go, hey, you rat bastard weasel, I'll get you next time, you know. <laughs> I think that's so important, you know, with, with building teams is is having that friendly rival, rivalry within your team and, and knowing that you're only going to make each other – um, stronger, which is, which is great. And you and Jeff are still friends to this day, right? Yes. Yeah. We talked to each other quite a bit. That's, that's pretty cool. I think, I don't know, it just goes a long way to, to how, how sports can, you know, connect people if you're, um, if you're in it to have fun and, and meet and not just, you know, go out there and grind every day and beat yeah. up with whoever you're. Well, it's even important with other, other people that you compete against. And so the thing is, is that, that really, I've always taken, I mean, I think my coach always had the attitude that you try to beat the other person, but they're going to bring out the best, you know, within you. And you're ultimately, you're competing against yourself to run fast times. And, and so, you know, the thing is, is that, you know, I think that most of the people I competed against that were really good, you know, also had that, you know, mentality and you'd become, you know, I think turn fast friends with them, you know, so, uh, you know, so Bill McChesney ended up becoming a very good friend, you know, in college, you know, became friends with your dad and hots and, uh, you know, other people that, you know, that would beat you or other, you know, people on other teams, you know, and so that you would, uh, you know, talk afterwards, go, you know, do a warm down run, you know, together. And, uh, you know, so it's the camaraderie that's kind of built within, uh, I think distance running. I, I agree. That I, I enjoyed the most, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I want to go back just, you know, 
you alluded to pre earlier and, 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 you know, you're obviously out in Oregon, Portland, and it just seems like, you know, that's probably what a lot of people were talking about at, at that time and, and runners coming out of Oregon. So what was, what did running feel like, I guess, at that time in that place? He was, he died in a car wreck when I was in junior high, but everybody knew of him. And, uh, and, and the thing is, is that, that Oregon was very good. There was a lot of talented runners. Even when I was in high school, Athletics West was formed in Eugene, and they were running, and there's there's a lot of talent that, you know, that was uh, pretty amazing. It had a special aura about it. And so, uh, uh, yeah, it was pretty incredible. It was, it was nice to be around that. I can I can imagine. It's, um, you know, I think right now with, with – where distance is in America and it's kind of, you know, growing back and we've got a ton of runners and, you know, especially now in social media, you can follow almost any of them and see what they're doing. And it's um, almost like another little Renaissance, which is, which is kind of cool. I got to imagine it's had to felt somewhat similar to that time. So. I mean, the stories you hear about Prefontaine are pretty incredible. So actually on this date, this exact same day, January 11th, 1974, Prefontaine was in a, in a race against Dick Berkeley, and Dick Berkeley beat him in an in, at the Portland Indoor Meet in the two-mile, and, uh, and they both ran really fast. But, you know, Prefontaine, you know, even though he was really nice to the guy's face, was pissed off. <laughs> so the very next day, not, not only did he train once, not only did he train twice, but he trained three times the next day, according to Paul Geis's, his teammate at Oregon. Wow. <laughs> three workouts the very next day. He wasn't used to getting beat, so he didn't have to do that very often. Yeah, that's, <laughs> I, I never, Fontaine. yeah, I mean, there's always crazy stories. I haven't heard that one. That's insane. That's, <laughs> It's kind of remarkable. It happened on January 11th, 1974. Right. Yeah. And that's, and that's when we're, we're, uh, uh, recording this. This will come out a little bit later, but yeah, that's, that's pretty, that's pretty crazy. But it's, it's funny because, you know, me growing up and you being a part of my family, like I'd hear some pretty crazy stories about your training as well. Um, when I was out at the Steen's running camp out there in Bend, Oregon, uh, and I can't remember who it was that had told me, uh, but they said they had been out on a run with you and it was just supposed to be a short run and ended up being, I believe like 15 miles or so they had said. And at the end of the run, it wasn't just, you finished the run, but then you like jumped into the bay and swam across the bay to, to, to finish, to get back to the, to the start line. Is that a story that actually happened? So you're mixing a couple stories. But, okay, uh, all right. <laughs> I'm thinking, you know, some of the things that, you know, I mean, you know, when you're younger, you make mistakes, but I kind of noticed that you would improve a lot if you started just increasing your distances, would, would start running a little bit further. And, and, I, and I, you know, and, and I understand training a lot better now than I did then. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so the idea was, Oh my gosh! If I'm going to race this week, I'm going to run high mileage. So, I, yeah, a couple of days before the state meet, I'd run 17 miles, and I'm wondering why my legs are so dead and heavy. 
<laughs> and so, uh, yeah, there's a couple times I just would run too far and there was a Willamette river that was from my house and I go, and I, you know, go across the Willamette. That only happened a couple of times. <laughs> we'd have some fun runs with other runners that we would, uh, describe as, uh, there's an area called Minto Brown park. We'd run through it. And in the fall, it would oftentimes flood and pretty soon you're, you, it was too far to turn back and add an extra number of miles to your run. So the thing is, is you're thinking that it's going to get, it's not going to be as deep as it is. And pretty soon it's waist deep. Pretty soon you're swimming and you only have to go about a hundred yards and it saved us, you know, backtracking two and a half miles and then two and a half miles more to get to that point. So it saved five miles. So that happened, that happened once. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's yeah, that, that's very typical in Oregon and being close to the Willamette and flooding that kind of exists around here. So, yeah. <laughs> that, uh, that only happened to me, uh, well, actually that did somewhat happen to me a couple of times, but <laughs> uh, one time we were doing a, a dual meet in, when I was, I think it, it was my junior year, and it was just a scrimmage, a scrimmage dual meet uh, to start off the season, and we were at the... Um, Highlands Golf Course there in Las Vegas and it had rained heavily the night before and on the back side you'd come down this hill and there was a bridge that went across just a little stream that went through and because it had rained the bridge had actually gone pushed back and the little stream was now pretty large <laughs> and so I mean for New Mexico standards yeah. and so I got to, got to that, caught up to my teammate, and he was standing at the end of this wooden, you know, float. I mean, I say bridge, but it was really just some wood nailed together and placed to walk over. So, that, so it had just kind of lifted, rose with the water and moved over, you know, and my teammate was standing on the edge just like, looking and he looked at me he heard me coming and he just kind of shrugged his shoulders and i looked at him i saw what was happening I'm like well <laughs> we got to finish this some way and i just kind of jumped in and swam waded across and finished the race luckily yeah, do it in a race so. <laughs> yeah i mean luckily it was uh we got to go home after the other team had a couple of hour drive with <laughs> a little soggy so that was interesting <laughs> You know, but you talked about your mileage starting to creep up. And so, you know, you you eventually got up and, and you ran a marathon. Was it was it your only marathon or had you run another prior? I, I ran two. So the first time I ran a, a marathon was my sophomore year. And uh, the, the, I went out with the leader and it felt pretty easy because I'd never raced anything past two and a half miles ever in my life <laughs> so you're used to breathing pretty hard i was thinking it seemed pretty easy we're going five minute paces you know for quite quite a distance this is a, an olympic member called brian maxwell on the canadian olympic team he ended up running you know 215 in the race and i was with him for 19 miles and i but you know which is much further than i've ever ran in my life you know and so uh and then, and all of a sudden the bear jumped on my back and uh, I finished in two thirty one, you know, 
and was kind of crawling at the end. So that that was my very first one. That's pretty amazing. I mean, and so we'll get to the second one here in a second, but how did you even, like, I guess – what made you want to want to run this first marathon in the first place? Um, I always thought I'd just be good at it. And uh, it was kind of a big deal. Uh, it was, it was, you know, a lot of, a lot of the runners that I, that you would read about Tom Hunt, who you're probably not familiar with. And yeah, you know, some of the, the yeah, you know, he was a 401 high school miler and made some us, you know, cross country teams and, and some of the really top high school runners were running it back back in that day, and and so I just thought, okay, I, I'll just see where I kind of ma- yeah match up against these guys. And there was actually a, a woman who I should say girl who went to South Eugene High School. Her name was Lily Ledbetter, and she ran close to three hours. So I thought, well, I could break three hours. You know, <laughs> I, I'm thinking if she, you know, because I'm faster than her. And so I figured that I could probably break three hours. And so that, you know, you don't, you just never know because you've never done, I've never done anything like it before. Wow. And so you're, you're a sophomore, <laughs> you run a 231 and, you know, crawling the last seven miles. Like, <laughs> and, <laughs> What made you decide that you're going to do another one the next year? Because it was your junior year, right? That you ended up. Yeah, right. yeah. And so the next year, I was a lot more prepared, and uh, and I thought, well, if I ran two thirty one, I should be able to, you know. And I knew that the national the high school record was uh, close to two twenty three something, and so I thought, well, I should be able to beat that. I should. I can improve my time ten minutes just by pacing myself a little bit. <laughs> Uh, uh, oh, that's and I mean, w- hearing these stories growing up myself, I was always like, "Oh, I'm going to do a marathon. I'm going to do a marathon." But I could never, obviously, get that kind of mileage. Um, you know, was this? Did you? Was this race? Were these races over the summer, like before cross country? Were they between? It was in the winter, and so it was. Uh, I did the seaside marathon both times, and they had. Uh, yeah, so it's kind of like during your winter training, and so you know cross country season would end, and you you tend to do long runs and things like that. And so, uh, but yeah, again, the first time I just didn't run long runs, and and so I was very prepared for the second one. <laughs> and so did you? I, I died a lot. So the guys I was with, yeah, uh, you know, I was with a bunch of guys with two miles to go. And even then, I started cramping up pretty badly and having to walk a lot. And so I, I slowed down. I lost seven minutes to the people I was with in the last two miles. Wow. Wow. And, and so that's what I was going to ask, is if you had gone out with, with the leaders again, if there was a, a pack or um, how you kind of planned out, like, you know, you knew the, you knew the record was 223 something, like how you were going to try to attack that. Uh, at that point, it was, you go with some runners and you kind of hear their goals and so you go with them. And so they are running. And, and then I, I realized they were running too slow. They, that was their goal was to run 220, 223. And the reality was they weren't running fast enough to do that. Then I, then I, then I sped up during the middle, then caught some guys that were 
more on 216 pace or ended up running 216. And unfortunately, I kind of crashed the last two miles of that. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, you can imagine if you had to, you know, pick up the pace and caught them that that's, you know, probably contributed to some of the, the redlining there at the end. Yeah. <laughs> what was, I mean, again, you like, this is only your second one. You're, you're only in high school. Did you know anything about fueling? Uh, like, oh, was yeah. it, all, it was all just water. <laughs> I, 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 was it, uh, I had never drank water in a race or fluids, so I didn't drink any fluids. <laughs> wow. That, that just is, that seems crazy to me. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And so, uh, but, but I guess, I mean, when I think back to high school, like I never, I, I, I was the same way. I didn't, I never cared about water. I just go out and you know, whenever I got back is when I drank or, or had whatever. It's it's only recently I've started kind of being more conscious of trying to um, be hydrated or even fueled for, for longer runs. Yeah. These were, you know, back when the dinosaurs were roaming the earth, we didn't know about, you know, I, I heard about other people doing that type of stuff. Other people would do that. It wasn't emphasized so much. <laughs> wow. And, and so, you know, you ended up, with a 22305, I think is what I saw. Yeah. So a um, high school record, 17 and under record. Uh, I think one site I saw did did say that it was an aided course because it, it was a little bit more downhill, but... Nope, that was that, that, then that, that's, that's what they used to say. And actually we, then, then it was actually, they, they went over the course and they showed that yeah, because with the start and finish is only 100 yards apart, so we actually finished further uphill than, than the course starting line from the finish line on the coast uh, where they started was uh, on a, a little bit further downhill. But it's about 100, it was 100 meters from the start line well, to the finish. That's awesome. Well, that's good. I'm glad I got that clarified. <laughs> and so, and and they, you had a, a write-up in Runner's World at the time, right? Mm-hmm. And that, that had to have been pretty cool. I mean, that was, you know, the the running, I mean, it's still the running magazine, but, you know, I mean. That's in track and field news and runner's world. They're the Bibles of the sport or whatever. Yeah. Uh, that must that must have felt pretty awesome. Yeah, it was cool. But the thing is, is that you don't want to ever rest on your laurels. And so you, you want to, you know, be who you are and be normal and enjoy life and uh you know and so yeah so i remember meeting your dad the very first time he, uh, you know i'll just kind of jump ahead and tell that story yeah so you know i'm in an english class you know uh, you know just starting school at unm uh my freshman year and uh you know and i see this guy wearing all these you know running shirts you know and things like this and i don't really don't know anybody you know you know and so yeah, so I talked to this guy. Hey, you're a runner. He goes, yeah. Well, they go, well, why aren't you out for the team? And he goes, oh, these fucking assholes from Oregon <laughs> are out on the team and blah, blah, blah. He goes, wait, by the way, wait, what's your name? Oh, I'm one of those fucking asshole runners from Oregon. <laughs> I didn't I didn't realize that that's how you guys started talking. That's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, 
And, and so what, I mean, how did you end up down in, in New Mexico coming from, from Oregon? I mean, again, kind of talking about. For a few summers, I worked as a hiking guide in Estes uh, National Park. And I worked at a place called the Longs Peak Inn. And I'd been there uh, even in grade school. My dad is a professor and he's doing research at University of Colorado in Boulder. And we would live in, uh, you know, so we would live in El Dorado Springs. And I climbed Longs Peak when I was a kid. It was kind of a neat area. And so I got a job up there and uh, when I was in high school. And I came back and all of a sudden I was a much faster runner. Well, as a kid, you think that, uh, you know, you think of gimmicks that make you faster. And it's just like, you know, I didn't take into, uh, into account that I'm probably running a hundred miles a week now and training a little bit harder. And, and, you know, I wasn't doing this before, but all of a sudden I became a much faster runner by my junior year and senior year than I was, you know, as an eighth grader or ninth grader or 10th grader. And so, you know, and so I thought it was the altitude. And so I definitely was looking for a school of altitude, but I was afraid of the snow, but I still think Albuquerque is a good place to train. It's uh, high altitude. There's, you know, you didn't have to worry about the, the snow or the other elements that I wouldn't be used to. So it was a really good place. And I think that New Mexico is a great place to train. I, I, yeah, I agree with you. I always, you know, I often wonder why there, you know, haven't been more kind of groups that come in, but I know there's been some groups here and there and definitely have had lots of people come and stay for, you know, while training off and on and um, definitely some, um, you know, not just Americans, but, you know, globally. I mean, we've had lots okay. of people. Well, probably, so probably jump ahead. So I think that it's, it's a double-edged sword. And so, so, you know, so there's a reason I only stayed probably one year at University of New Mexico. Uh, I think the double-edged sword that existed was uh, the coach was really a nice guy, but uh, he, he was more of a recruiter and brought people together. But really, you know, my high school coach knew more about training than he really did. And it was, it lacked a lot of structure and, and he would just have these talented people that were very self-motivated to do well. And so there was that aspect of it. And the other aspect is, is that uh, I think it's very difficult. I think we were at the Western you know, Athletic Conference at the time. We were running against really amazing athletes. But it's very difficult to go to a place and compete at high altitude races all the time. So your times are slower you're kind of getting beat and and you're wondering you know so you kind of question uh yourself about you know is this really beneficial to me as a runner trying to get the most that i had out of myself and so i think that you know i think hans you know is more was even more devastated he's a little bit faster than than myself and jeff he's you know he's about 10 or 12 seconds ahead of us usually in races and, you know, we would finish 22nd, 23rd place, you know, 18th place, things like this. And Hans is going like, you know, and, and we weren't seeing it. Our times would look awful, you know, because, you know, we're racing Colorado or New Mexico or, or these different places. And, uh, and there's some amazingly talented runners. I mean, we were racing against, you know, some guys that ended up being, you know, really great U.S. runners, but also, you know, 
people that were, you know, Suleiman Nayambui, who was a, I think, Kyle has gold medal in the Olympics, and mm -hmm. and Joshua Nonet Kamito. I mean, we were just racing against all these really good people. We had no idea who these people are. It felt like Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Who are these guys? Who are these guys? <laughs> <laughs> They're all fast. <laughs> Your times would be slower. So, so I think that, you know, so, so I probably jumped ahead. There's kind of a question of, of you know, they're, they're, you're, you're questioning yourself and there's self-doubts that are kind of coming in and you're making a tremendous effort to kind of uh, improve as a runner, which is, you know, a large goal of all of ours. And uh, I think Hanso ended up going on and having the, the better career of all of us. But, but I think that uh, it makes for a tougher situation. I think it's a great place to train. And I actually even enjoyed northern New Mexico during the warm weather than, uh, you know, kind of the, the Albuquerque area. And so, uh, you know, and that kind of like, I was just so stunned, you know, going up to Santa Fe or Las Vegas or, you know, going up to Hermit's Peak and seeing some of these, you know, kind of amazing areas and later on going up towards, you know, uh, you know, these just phenomenal areas up in Taos and later mountain biking and seeing these Aspen and, the beauty of the northern part of the state is just jaw-dropping. I, I mean, I grew up there, so I can't, <laughs> I can't complain with that. I 100% I agree. It's just, it's, it is definitely um, beautiful. It's, it's, uh, oh, it's definitely almost a whole nother world from, from Albuquerque for yeah. sure. Once you get out. I, pro I probably preferred the northern part of the state and, but you know, the one thing that I did it was kind of amusing was I competed on the cross country ski team my freshman year. Oh, really? And, and so because I did, I actually got to get a, a, a free uh, pass to go up to the, uh, to ride the, 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 I forget what they call that. What's the term that they use for that one? The, the, the tram? Thing, the tram that goes up to the top of the mountain. Yeah. And since so, uh, so we would be able it took, it would take a while, but sometimes I, you know, during the early fall, you know, I'd go up and be able to train up there and, and, you know, you're, at, uh, 10,000 feet altitude and yeah, kind of, kind of amazing. I thought that area was pretty beautiful. You know, if you're, you're willing to do that every now and again, there's, so there's some, some really fun times that I, that I had. I remember going with your dad and Hans and it snowed real hard and we're hitting snow drifts one time on a run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's pretty, I didn't, I didn't know that you were, uh, you were on the ski team. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and that, and that just seemed, you know, it's, I can't, um, I, I don't know if I can really imagine that really happening now with, with, uh, um, athletes, you know, competing in, in different sports like that, um, you know, outside of like, you know, you know, you go from cross country, you go to track because everything's so specialized now. Like it, it seems almost, uh, I feel like it would be, I, I wouldn't even imagine how that would be. That's, that seems like it would probably have been fun though. <laughs> it's actually pretty fun, but you know, as inefficient as a cross country skier as I was, you know, I could still place in the top three on the team, but you know, as, as far as in the, in the, in the meets, but, uh, but the thing is, is that my, my technique and form and downhill skills just lack. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so after, after you left uh, UNM, where did you end up at? 
I ended up in Eugene and training down there and having fun and everybody in Eugene there tended to be a little bit of uh, they're kind of experimenting with this idea of two interval workouts a day and so I got injured uh, people who are much more talented than me got injured Rudy Chapa, Alberto Salazar, Bill McChesney, numerous people, yeah, were were training all together, and they were doing, uh, you know, insane insane workouts. And so, uh, oh, there's a kid named Jeff Nelson who's the national high school record for two miler who got injured so bad he never came back. And Bill was injured most of the year and made the U.S. Olympic team, you know, which is kind of an amazing story. Uh, Alberto got injured, almost left in his Volkswagen, broke down, and he ended up staying around in Oregon because his car broke down. <laughs> wow. so, uh, and then Rudy Chapa was never kind of the same runner since. And so, uh, yeah, there was just, uh, you know, that I think that there was kind of a mentality of, uh, yeah, and, and some things that were, you know, that weren't handled well, you know. There wasn't wasn't was an opportunity for myself, right? Well, and, the, and this is kind of um, so you were you were at UNM in the, in the late seventies, yeah, seventy eight, seventy eight, yeah. So then, so this time is kind of that's it's creeping up to that um, seventy eight, seventy nine. So it was fall of seventy eight, you know, the spring of seventy nine. Right. So when I was eighteen, it was it was pretty exciting and big, you know. Uh, a great place to be, you know, a lot of people, you know, Olympic trials were there, you know, I was running there, you know, it was uh, kind of a, an amazing, you know, and fun place to be. Well, that's kind of what I was going to ask about with the Olympic trials. Cause you know, then that was, that was 80 and, and the U S ended up boycotting and, and all of that. So obviously there's the excitement kind of building up and, and what did it kind of feel like in the area, I guess, once, um, once it was known that the U.S. was going to back out of this? You know, I, I think that I, 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 it didn't affect me personally. It affected friends of mine that weren't able to compete. And, yeah, you know, it was, uh, at the time when I was younger, I was a little bit upset that that happened. Now I kind of look at a big picture of things. It's just like we boycotted because, you know, the Olympics were in Russia. Russia invaded Afghanistan. People were getting killed and dying. And, and so the thing is, is that, you know, in a bigger picture of things, you know, that I don't like sports and politics, you know, conflicting, but, but, but it does. It always has. You know, I saw it in Munich, you know, and I, you know, later on, you know, I read about it in Munich in 72. It certainly happened, you know. In 76, where the Africans boycotted, it certainly happened in 1980. And, uh, you know, and, and this is kind of like, yeah, it's disappointing and hard on some of my friends that were talented enough to make the team. Yet, uh, yet you, you look in the bigger picture of things in life as you're older and things like that, you know, that you, you look at it and say, well, I kind of understand it, you know, uh, that. You know, thousands of people are getting killed. Thousands of people are dying. Look what's going on in Russia. Look what they're doing to some other countries. And, you know, using chemical warfare. And and so I, I, I get a bigger picture viewpoint on it now and say maybe that was the right thing. That yeah, makes sense. I, I, I talked to, to one other person, um, Val Boyer, who was – 
you know, on track to, to make it as well. And, you know, she kind of talked about that as well, just kind of, you know, the perspective of it and, um, you know, what had happened prior with, you know, Africa, you know, boycotting and, and things like that, you know, and, and so it's, it is a, and we're all human. <laughs> it's yeah, all gonna, yeah. it's so gonna to be messy. So to give you kind of perspective, Sebastian, you know, uh, yeah, I'll tell you one of my fastest races ever. Yeah, <laughs> in that year, and so yeah, so I'm so we're at Hayward Field, and uh, and, and one kind of cool thing about Eugene is it's a track town. It's pretty big. I'm having I'm kind of spot on that day, and just running PRs and doing all sorts of things. And I'm going into my last lap. The crowd is just erupting. Just, just on the inside of me is Alberto Salazar. You know, these other people, the crowd's just roaring and going crazy. The unfortunate aspect of the race was Alberto was finishing and I had one more lap to go. <laughs> but I still ran, you know, so for me that I ran 28.48, you know, for the 10K. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's running 28.30 or 27.30 something or 27.40, you know, so mm -hmm. that, that kind of gives a perspective on things. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, your time's not, not nothing to, to sneeze at, but yeah, it's a, a different world. <laughs> the best in the United States were about a lap ahead of me. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> on the same track. <laughs> right. Hey, you, you at least made the track, so that's... <laughs> I think there's a lot of people that would be happy just to be on the same track as some of those, uh, some of the best in the U.S. So, and I was thrilled because that was my that was a big PR for me. So, yeah, um, yeah, I think that you know, talking about that perspective, you know, I'd seen something. I think it was uh, late summer when the the 5K world record went down, and I I can't remember the exact. I don't have it in front of me right now, but I mean it's insanely fast something i can't even fathom but <laughs> oh, the most recent 5k record yeah 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 and uh you know there there was guys on the track who are still running insanely fast who were you know uh, at least a lap behind <laughs> the yeah. world record pace and they were still you know pring but it, it it's it is amazing that 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 we can be that this sport kind of allows for that that you can have whether it's on the track or, or, you know, even, a, you know, like a marathon where you're running on the same course as, you know, uh, somebody who, who could break an American record or, you know, their, their record for their country or set a course record or world record. You know, it's just, it's, it's pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah. Well, one of my favorite stories is about one of my, my very good friends is named, I don't know if you've heard of Lionel Ortega. Oh yes. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, and so anyway, I've got a couple of good Lionel stories. Lionel was one of the better uh, athletes to come out of University of New Mexico and was an amazing runner. And, uh, and so I remember him, uh, he, he would, he would run the La Luz trail run and, and he's coming up to the very top of the Sandia mountains where the finish line is. And Lionel's kind of a religious guy. And, and he heard God yelling at him, go Lionel, go Lionel. And he's in second place at the time. He thinks of God's yelling at him. He's expecting lightning to come down. And he <laughs> passes the guy to, and ends up winning the La Luz trail run. Little did he realize he was just up in the clouds and it was his friends cheering him on the top and it wasn't God's voice. 
that's one Lionel story. But the other funny Lionel story was uh, when, when I was, uh, yeah, basically I remember him, you know, when I met him and things like this, he's going, he was in this big, huge race in Indianapolis. And he, you know, he is running the 10K at the time. And he's entered there and there's all these fast people in there. And there's this high school kid there. He's going. What's this high school kid doing in this race? <laughs> and 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 the high school kid ended up being Rudy Chapa. Rudy Chapa is like the national high school record. I think he ran twenty eight forty or something like that for for ten k. Beat Lionel that day. Oh, that's what he was doing in the race. <laughs> <laughs> but kind of an unfortunate aspect is, uh, and this is probably another reason for leaving at the time. Lionel was probably one of the best runners ever to come out of UNM and was all American and uh, ended up running for Athletics West and Nike. And he was doing a training run on the track at UNM. And I said that at the time there's kind of a football field, but they didn't want him running there. And they actually arrested him, you know, my freshman year. And so uh, they ended up having to, uh, you know, let him out and, and they forgave him and, and they apologized. It was their mistake and things like that. So I think that there are some things that football was always kind of the big sport that kind of seemed to exist there. And I, I don't ever thought that ever thought that UNM was even that great in football, but it certainly was a priority. And I saw how they treated Lionel. So it's kind of like that, that here, here's the one of the most outstanding athletes that came from there and he was treated like this kind of that, that I didn't feel like that would ever happen in Eugene during that time period. Yeah. Well, I think, wow. Um, I think that that is something that continues where we're seeing, you know, football, basketball, and these sports kind of be the priorities. And that's why you have, you know, like Clemson right now trying to get rid of the men's uh, cross country and track and field program. And, um, you know, uh, some other uh, colleges have also tried axing it. Some William and Mary was able to get it back, you know, but it it has, um, I, th- I think you're right. I think, you know, being in a place where, you know, there's the history of it, there's the um, support for it, where it, it is going to be, you're not going to be running into the some of those same problems. So I can definitely uh, see that part of it. Yeah. And, and you also... Uh, you knew um, uh, Mike Milstad, who who recently uh, passed away, right? Yeah, and and he he coached several um, runners here in New Mexico, and and kind of you know built built them up. And did did you ever were you running with him, or what was that um, situation? Uh, you know, Mike was a, a really great guy. I think he was probably a, a nicer guy than he was probably ability than, than ability to coach. I think that his enthusiasm and passion for running and probably was a good distance runner. Yeah, that's good. You know, yeah, I think he better he's better coaching like the middle distances, and and so yeah, no, Mike was just this great guy. And it was very sad that he passed away. Yeah, and so when you're you when you're in Eugene, you, you talked about again running. You had that 10k and and things. You know, obviously, you talked about the marathons. So you liked kind of the longer um, distances. And so, when did you go back to the marathon after high school? We never really kind of covered that. I'm just curious. I actually ran one once, and it was just kind of a. I did the 
the, the training course with a friend and hit 217. And, <laughs> uh, you know, just like in a workout. The, the thing is, I was concentrating on my speed so that when I ran the 223, my PR in the mile was 424. And so I got my mile time down to, I got, yeah, I ran 410 mile in high school. And then I hit 407. And I didn't have the opportunity to run the mile much because I was, yeah, if you run 407 in college, you know, it's just kind of like, you know, you're looking at a bunch of backs. <laughs> yeah. A lot of runners that are faster than you. So you, you don't have the opportunity to run the mile. So I would usually run the 5K or the 10K. Yeah. <laughs> And so, you know, and that's just kind of a reality. And so, uh, and I, and I think a lot of people said that, you know, that I was influenced by a lot of people that said, you know, that, that you shouldn't run the marathon and so you should kind of concentrate on the, on the shorter stuff. And so. Wow. So you ran one just kind of on a course with a friend and a 217 and that, <laughs> that yeah, was. Well, yeah, actually ran it with, uh, like seven people. Oh, and okay. So, and it was, uh, and, and we were all timed. It was a, it was a, a workout, and it was the Nike OTC course, you know, which is a pretty fast course. Okay. And so we did us, you know, we ran two seventeen in training. Wow, that's uh, that's pretty amazing. <laughs> I think a lot of people would take that in in, uh, yeah, in the race. Now, yeah, now you just rather just run a race and just yeah. Get it. <laughs> <laughs> And so the workout was just, it was just a full marathon tempo run or? Yeah. And so, I mean, what we would run in workouts, I mean, we're, we're probably more incredible than what we ever did in races. And I think that was, Oregon tended to do, you would do your workouts a little bit. You know, they were, they were a lot harder than anything we'd ever do on race day. One of our workouts that was pretty well known was a, they called it the 30th Avenue drill and you'd run a, you'd run, boy, it's been so long since I've done it. <laughs> uh, usually you'd run a mile or three quarters of a mile. I think it was a mile. And so you'd run a mile and, and you'd run a mile like in like 420 or 424 and some guys would run it faster and then you don't stop and you continue running and you're supposed to keep below five minute pace. And then the next um, then you'd hit another track that was kind of at a local high school and you'd hit that track and you'd, and then you'd try, you'd have to improve on your time. So usually I'd start at 432, then I'd hit a 424, then you hit 418 and you, and this is all on an 18 mile run. And, and then you're keeping below five minutes per mile on the whole tempo as an average. And the ones that were kind of known for, that would be kind of dots in the horizon for us would be Salazar because he'd be running, he'd be starting at uh, 418, so he'd be 14 seconds ahead of me on that first mile. And then he's running, I'm running five minute pace and he's going like 440 pace and, per mile. And, and this would be an 18 mile workout. And so you'd be, and, and there'd be three one miles that were running incredibly fast. He'd finish his last mile in 410. Yeah. Wow. And uh, so, I mean, so some of the workouts that were, pretty monitored and pretty famous. That was the, that was, that was a famous one in Eugene that we would do called the 30th Avenue drill. And, uh, we would do that pretty much once for about twice a month, sometimes, you know, once every week. Wow. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, some of the, uh, some of the guys on the Oregon team, yeah, Salazar and Chapa and McChesney and some of these guys were just, you know, blowing our drawers out. Wow. McChesney high school would do re six times a repeat mile with three minutes rest, and this is the date. This is the week before the state meet. So he did six times a mile. His first mile is in. 424 and his last mile was in 416 and you know and it's just kind of like i mean the i mean that's a pretty incredible for a high school kid but you know he is a 852 two miler but i don't think he ever tapped his potential because immediately kind of at university of oregon he ran 828 for the two mile his freshman year and then by by a sophomore season he ran 1315 for 5000 which was which was a couple seconds off the American record at the time. Right. Wow. That that's in, that those are insane workouts. <laughs> but it brings out the best in you, and that's what's kind of was pretty neat being around that atmosphere. And I like the structure of those type of workouts, whereas really monitored, yeah, where you know there's people on bikes, there's people in cars, there's people timing you at different tracks, you know, and so you 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 know how fast you're going, and you know. It was very uh, reg. It was regimented, but it was kind of a fun. I I actually enjoyed it. Yeah, well, I mean, I can imagine at the time. I mean, you're you're probably seeing you know big improvements of of where you were at as well, and so yeah, um, you know, being able to to run around those type of guys. I mean, it's always going to make you stronger if you're putting in the effort, you know. So yeah, it's 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 a crazy workout, but I, you know, I get you know being able to work with with people like on that it's gonna yeah it's gonna gonna make you better wow <laughs> yeah. and i was you know basically you know i definitely was never in the front of that in the, of those packs you know <laughs> and, and that's and that's and that's and that's kind of just the incredible opportunity of running against running with so many talented runners in these workouts that uh that you were that you kind of knew who the top dogs were you know, the, you know, and they ended up becoming pretty great runners. Salazar, Chapa, McChesney, you know, kind of a guy that was even further behind them was a guy named Donald Clary, Don Clary. He made three Olympic teams, you know. <laughs> Art Boileau, you know, Canadian Olympic team, you know. He won uh, LA Marathon, you know. That's that, wow. <laughs> um and so, you know, your where did your career kind of go from there? Like from from college? I mean, obviously, so you you were a pretty decent high school runner. You, you had you have still have the high school marathon record. Um, you know, you you kind of were hanging on there in college. Kind of, I mean, I I feel probably you know in a group thing, you're probably you know front middle of the pack. Definitely not towards the back, but um, yeah. Uh, I kind of, I, I kind of uh, peaked, you know, kind of my sophomore year in college. I hit the, tw yeah, twenty forties for ten k, and and I was doing a lot of speed work and, and different things at the time, uh, and I pulled a hamstring, and and uh, and 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 those hamstrings just just don't, you know, recover very fast, and I had a had an Achilles injury, you know, where I, where I missed, you know, most of my season 
And, you know, it would still come back and run, you know, like I said, sub sub 29 minutes, you know, hit, hit the high 28s in the 10K in different races. And, uh, but the thing is, is that, that getting plagued with injuries, you know, and I think that it was a little bit, it didn't fit me that it was a little bit too much, too, the distances were, and the, the, the interval workouts we were running with were pretty intense for me. And so, you know, but other people really succeeded at it. Yeah. That's saying, I think it's something that's, um, I think people are finding out, have learned, I think, is, you know, how different everybody can kind of adapt to different um, workouts and, and stress levels. And um, it, it's pretty amazing. I think there, I mean, obviously Salazar was, was doing some of that, you know, harder tempo stuff with, with his group before, you know, everything with that. And um, obviously there's other groups that work, you know, completely different. And, you know, it's um, pretty amazing for those people who have the opportunity to be able to kind of find find what's working for them and, and compete at that high level without hopefully those risks of injuries. Yeah. And that's kind of a game you play. You try to become as good as you can. Yet when you, you know, when you, uh, when you do that, it's kind of like, you know, flying too close to the sun, you know, <laughs> that you get injured or you fall. So <laughs> that's true. <laughs> um, and so you, you've always kind of stayed, you know, pretty around the running community. Um, like I said, when I went to the um, Steens Mountain Running Camp there out there in Oregon, like I'd go with you. And I, I think one time I uh, I was there with you and, and you had to get together. And I mean, there were tons of people who had ran, you know, 430 or faster miles. And <laughs> I was just kind of in awe because, you know, and especially in New Mexico, I mean, that, that and where I was running and that was, that was quick. I, I couldn't even imagine being around that many people. And so uh, obviously running is always, and, and I didn't mean athletic. I mean, you're not really running now, but you're doing the mountain biking and, and different yeah. things, I think still skiing. And so I think the, you know, obviously that's been pretty important part of your, your life to stay active. Yeah, no, it's, it has, has been. And so I was in a bad accident uh, when I was in my, uh, when I was 27 years old. And, and so, uh, and then I was playing volleyball actually. And, and I, and then basically I had a type of injury playing volleyball that you would never expect. It's kind of embarrassing. They, <laughs> you know, I skydiving, I was doing, you know, in an auto, you know, racing cars, you know, skydiving or something else. And I was playing volleyball, but I got somebody had dove at the ball and I got tackled and somebody fell on top of me and then my leg just broke out. And so that was kind of the end of my running when I was 27 and it was pretty disappointing. So I think that my reaction to that would be, uh, I needed to be away from it for a long time. And so, uh, so, so, so no, I never, yeah, you know, went to Steens mountain after, yeah, you know, since I was a runner, you know, and when I met you, I was, I had never really, was, was able to run again. Yeah. And actually I, you know, I take that back. I was still a runner when I first met you. Yeah. <laughs> it, you uh, know, on the way to wagon mound. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it, 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 how, how hard was that? Cause I know, 
And I think a lot of runners, you know, when they're injured, it, it, it's, it can be hard to kind of, you know, figure out that identity, but knowing like, you know, you weren't really going to be competitive on the level you were like how, how difficult I guess was that to, to process? For me, it was really difficult because I think that, uh, that, that at that point I was training pretty hard. It was an Olympic year. You know, I wasn't planning on running the, uh, in the, in the Olympics because I, I thought, okay, there's, there's people who are more talented than me, but I knew that there was, they're giving out a $500,000 cash money for Chicago Marathon. All the good runners are going to be at the, in the Olympics and nobody's going to do this. You know, so, so, so you kind of, you know, so I think that, uh, you know, at the time, I was, you know, had had some great workouts. I was, you know, again, you know, running, you know, repeat miles, sub 420s and, uh, you know, doing 100 miles a week. And, and you know, we felt pretty good about coming into a marathon. I thought, okay, I could probably have a 212 inside me, sea level flat Chicago, you know. And so, you know, so it's, and the thing is, it's not, and it's probably less about, you know, what I could have done, should have done, things like this. But it, it, I think that you miss the running with friends and it was a large part of your life. And so I just needed to be away from it and needed to recreate myself and from being, you know, at, you know to a point where you want to learn to walk again. And so I was had three knee surgeries, was in a wheelchair for more than a year. And when you first learn to walk, you're actually in a swimming pool. And I remember for the first time touching my foot on the ground after not touching it for over a year, that, that it feels tingly and weird and numb. But you, you, you feel sorry for yourself, but then you meet other people that, you know, I realized that I'm going to try to be active again. I'm going to rebuild myself to do, you know, where I can do things again. But you're meeting people that will never do this, that, you know, had diseases that were a lot worse than yourself and they're learning to walk and they're in a pool and they've been like this for a while and that's the only freedom they have. And so you feel sorry for yourself to a degree, but you realize that, okay, uh, yeah, it's very sad, you know, that basically uh, doors close, you know, uh, close, but windows of opportunity will always exist. Uh, that's a great way to, to look at that. And I think that's a great spot to kind of wrap up. Um, well, great talking to Sebastian. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> Often. I'll tell you some funny stories about your dad that you probably don't know. So. Oh, yeah. Um, I do have one more question for you, though. And and uh, it's how I always end this. And that's, uh, you know, what are you listening to right now, music-wise, to kind of get you going, maybe get you motivated, get you pumped for whatever, or just whatever you're enjoying? Uh, for music, I tend to, I mean, it's kind of, kind of strange. It's uh, the one that I've been listening to lately. I've always liked you too. I guess I'm Irish and I'm Scottish. So it's just kind of, you know, grabs my heartstrings. I, you know, I, I think it goes into your DNA or your ancestry and things like that. So the one I've been listening to lately is the water boys and it's called the fisherman's blues. All right. <laughs> I have it. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. So awesome. Well, you know, again, thank you for talking oh, with me. I'll ask you more questions next time I'm with you, but I figured, you know, yeah. it's one of conversation today for your interview. Yeah. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to add before I let you go? Uh, great seeing you, and I've known you since, you know, you're yay high. So, <laughs> love you.
I'd once again like to thank my guest for their time and thank you for tuning in. If you have the opportunity, please rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts or just help spread the word. Music was provided by Philip Friedman. You can follow him on SoundCloud at DJ Teach. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at RunningNM. Feel free to drop me a line or shoot me an email at runningnewmexico at gmail.com if you have any questions or know of someone who should be interviewed. In the meantime, keep running, New Mexico.